this week we got iOS 16 beta 4 and all of the other betas that go along with uh, the fourth beta round, except for the Apple Watch, which is weird. Uh, but, but I mean, I'm sure that like maybe by now it's out. Don't know, but as of recording, it is not. Not that it would be very exciting. Uh, and the public also, betas came out, right? And still they no did. Beta. Yeah. yeah, public betas came out one day later. Um, at first, this was a big nothing burger. It was like, <laughs> uh, is can the, can the iPad do uh, uh, stage manager on anything but an M1? No. Uh, are there any like major user interface changes? No. Any new widgets on the lock screen? No. Um, I even have a, no a new fun- wallpapers. No, 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 no new wallpapers. No new wallpapers for the iPhone for the actual iPhone lock screen, at least. No new papers. No new wallpapers for the iPhone. There are new wallpapers for CarPlay, which is very exciting. Uh, and the home app. Yeah, we'll, we'll speak to that more in a moment. Um, but but then like you know, I mean, this is what happens. But uh, you know, as, as time went on, everyone discovers new features. And the first one is a big change to the way that the new messages feature works. Where if you're using iMessage, you can unsend a message or edit the message. That's the big iOS 16 feature. And um, Apple, like, like they, they, they pretty, they made it clear like how it works before, and they weren't super. I mean, I, I didn't see any signaling that they were planning to change it like as time went on. But um, there was some pushback, of course, by like groups about how you could abuse the system to, um, you know, someone could edit their message later or delete it, um, after, you know, with, within a time frame, and so you still, you know, communicate what you're saying, but it can't be uh, on a screenshot kind of thing. Um, but but they changed some of the rules around that. So how how are the how's it work now? We'll yeah. So that. the initial rounds, every time you'd, you'd you could send a message, and then you'd have like fifteen minutes to delete it entirely, or to um, edit it. And when you edited it, it the the you just see the new bubble. There'd be no history of content, but it would have the little um, edited subtitle. So if it shipped like that. I think it'd have been okay, right? Like I know they'd been pushed back, and ideally, you want it to show you the original message as well as the edited version, right? So at least some way to find the original, um, which I hope is how, like, you know, whenever Twitter gets around to adding the edit button, that that system will work too. Because like, like fa- Facebook does that, Twitter don't know if they'll do that, Slack does not do that. So it isn't like uh, a standard that every edited form of communication shows the change log. You know, like the worst company does, and the you know most useful company doesn't. <laughs> yeah but i don't think in this modern day of unlimited storage being able to just save the the previous version of what you typed in doesn't feel like a big burden on the software right like these incredibly modern software environments just have some way to see the original just so these silly arguments or you know theoretical issues can't even be a thing despite the fact that in all these cases you know you can screenshot it or the notification appears in your lock screen anyway and you could write it down or you know like all of those things aside it's nice to just be able to have a constant record of the conversation. And with Beta 4, that is now there. I don't think this is necessarily Apple changing policy or changing their like design decision. Maybe they just this was always on the roadmap and they hadn't got around to finishing off the implementation. Um, so what happens in Beta 4 is now you can only edit a message up to five times. So not unlimited. But each time you edit it, it saves a copy of the text so you can go back into the conversation on the transcript and now where it used to have the little gray edited, you can now click on that subtitle and it swoops open the previous messages in like a faded out mode. It's a really nice interface actually. So you have like mm-hmm. the current version of the message in the bright blue iMessage bubble and then like some lighter faded out versions of the edits above. So you see every single edit up to five maximum edits. 
And once you've hit the limit of five edits, the edit option disappears. You can't edit anymore. So you have five attempts to correct your typo. After that, you've got to do a new message. Also, they've reduced the amount of time that you have to unsend a message entirely. So in previous uh, iOS 16 releases, you could undo send up to 15 minutes after you originally sent the message. But with today's update, that has now been shrunk down to just two minutes. I think that Pretty kind of better clarifies the 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 idea of what undo sending is like meant to be for it's not about trying to be like abusive or you know sending someone something naughty and then undoing it immediately really it's more like you you've had a change of heart and you want to move around like when it was a 15 minute window there was a longer period of time for it to kind of like gestate whereas now it's like look you've got you got to make a snap decision you've sent this thing knee jerk reaction i didn't mean to send it now i can undo it that's kind of where I, i think they're leaning with the time reduction there for editing a message you still have the same 50 minute window again now limited up to five times only well, you, you know um i saw some you know feedback online i was like this, this is pointless of it's pointless to change if you um you, you you can always just like delete the message and not or you can edit it you know uh the the unsend one like if you if <laughs> if i'm talking to you and i send you a personal photo from my photo library that i did not mean to send to you i can't edit that like, you know, it, that's in the undo category only. So, and, and you know, within two minutes, if you just sent the photo to the wrong person. So that's, that's a scenario where I can see that. The, the or, or there's a dumb example. Well. Like the, the most innocent re- re- reason to have an undo send box is the classic, like wrong box problem, right? So like, oh, yeah, we're talking yeah. to multiple people at the same time. I send you a message that I meant to send somebody else. It's nothing like incriminating or crazy. It was just, doesn't make any sense. So in, you know, every year up to now, I then we realize I'm a mistake and you have to write like, oops, wrong box. And it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. There's yeah. no way to edit. Re- you Like, it doesn't make sense to edit the message. It's like, oops, wrong box. What you want right. to do is just delete it. So now yeah. you get two minutes. You're like, oh, I made a silly mistake here. I'll just undo it and move on. Although I will say wrong box is like a running joke of you say something that you know is controversial or like, you know, you shouldn't say. Yeah, I know. Say, I know it got right. like co-opted into that. But it's also <laughs> true that sometimes I just, you just paste it in the wrong box. Yeah. I like, you I like to say one person and you're oh, talking to somebody else. I like to say something snarky to somebody and then say, sorry, I was typing my password. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, and the UI is cool though, right? Like the editing. Yeah. I mean, there. absolutely. It is cool. It is cool. It, they also changed the um, undo mail send mode so that that um i think it was uh two minutes and they they've added five and ten minute options yeah now you get for that one you get an option yeah which before so the options just two are minutes. off so you can't do undo send at all yeah uh, 10 seconds which i believe is the default oh, okay okay Tw- yeah 10 seconds 20 seconds or 30 seconds okay that's, my numbers were off by a little bit but they were pretty close well what um, you have to remember is despite <laughs> having the same name the way the features work is quite different right because yeah. for iMessage obviously it's like a platform feature so the message can physically arrive on the other person's device and then get redacted and taken back for email that's not how it works because yeah. as soon as an Im- uh, you can't you can't take out a message from somebody else's inbox unless you're doing something which isn't true email like you know a special service but apple's mail client does nothing fancy it's just acting like an email app so when you undo send all that's really happened is it hasn't sent it yet and then- yeah for for every single email you have that that delay which is like twitter's uh twitter blue feature mm-hmm. where you know edit tweet uh is is really you just have a delay of you know up to a minute i think um of how now, i will say the post i don't think 10 seconds is very useful <laughs> what are you gonna undo is- send in 10 seconds 
10 seconds is like this was the wrong person <laughs> like yeah, but you're gonna have to scramble to change like the view to go back to it you know or or uh, or, or it's like oh i sent the email uh before it was finished I was finished writing it you know and i think that i think in the ui it's like right on the screen so um, yeah so i i just tried it so you send yeah. an email and then immediately at the bottom of the screen where it normally says like your accounts are up to date there's the yeah. undo send button yeah so, big, big but it doesn't button. say yeah. it doesn't say that who you sent it to so if you thought you sent it to the right person there's no way to like double check like ideally it would probably say like undo send to you know the name of the per- you know the name of the person the yeah, email went to or something. You'd have to realize that in the to field or the cc fields that it was wrong. But I, 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 maybe a more common one though would would be you know oops I because I've definitely sent unfinished emails before. Like I got my keyboard shortcuts confused and I sent delivered the email. Um, so uh, that's yeah yeah that's that's a nice change there. Yeah, but in iMessage, obviously, you get longer duration because they can actually physically remove the message from the other person's device. And when that happens, the no- if, they- if the person hasn't seen it yet, like the notification is still on their phone. When you undo, the notification gets removed. Similarly, if you edit the message, the, no- the notification gets modified with the new text, which is cool. And yeah, just like iMessage does such a good job of that like transcript view with the bubbles. Just all the animations and like layouts and effects are just really well done. And this, l- this latest... Um, way to view the history is just the next progression of that because even like undo sending as that cool little like bubble burst animation like iMessage mm-hmm. is such a good app in general yep the uh way twitter effect would handle editing would, would be that it, it would delete and you'd re- recompose your tweet so like if you tweeted and you saw a typo and you had five thousand retweets to edit it you would start over on the, it's with a new tweet without five thousand so Lots of ways to do this based on how much control you have over the platform. With iMessage, Apple has the most. With the email, not so much. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then another settings change in notifications this time is that this is in beta 1, 2, and 3, they had the display as option, which was count, stack, or list. And those descriptions are very abstract. Like, And all that the settings UI would have is count, stack, or list and a little like, arrow depending on which one you chose. This is referring to how notifications are displayed on the lock screen. Well, now in beta 4, they have nice little icons next to each of the options, so it gives you a better visual representation of what's actually happening when you click on one. So as a reminder, count is where it just puts a text label at the bottom of the lock screen that says two notifications or one notification, like really sub, really subdued, out of your way. It's meant to be like the lowest effort. Here's basically an, an indicator that you have a new notification, but it's not going to show you anything about the content. Yeah, you only want to see them when you tap that. Yeah, yeah, and you can like swipe it up or whatever. Yeah, and then stack is the latest notifications are visible at the bottom of the screen, and then slightly older notifications are stacked behind it. So you get a little glimpse of a few, but really you're only seeing like one primary one, and you have to actively swipe up to see more. And then the third option is list, and list is similar to stack except it just shows more initially so rather than only showing one and then stacking behind it shows like three or four and then stacks behind take takes up more of your screen space to, to do the list view cl- cl- list is closer to what it used to be um yeah although i still think you see less overall with list than you used to just it's yeah like because well, of the yeah. weights from the bottom you just there aren't as many gaps whereas on the ios 15 design it would list the entire screen's full, if you see what I mean. Yeah, in general, the lock screen, you know, they, they give more attention to widgets and, and time um, than they do to it, and they're not sharing that space as much. Um, this is, with any of these, like, no matter what your default is, you can still do the different gestures to, like, change the state and context, so um, so that makes sense. 
Yeah, you like two finger pinch in and out to flip between all three. It's basically just what the default is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I was playing around with it today, and I think I've mostly been in the middle where it's the stack because the count for me is just like too much input for me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you're interacting a lot to just glance at stuff. Um, but then I think like lists, I think lists might be the most practical over time because I, I like the way stack looks, but it's really just a visual thing. And then lists is the more functional one. So we'll probably, we'll probably choose list eventually. When, when stack it, when is it, nice if you don't want to feel like too overloaded. Or you only see the most recent one. Yeah. But yeah, I'm on list too because it yeah. it's you, like, what's the difference between one versus three? Not too yeah. much in this game. Is yeah. It, but. It's, it's literally like a range of like visual to utility. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and also it will change in one year because it changes every year mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. and i don't know how live activities play into this layout choice as well because they're not actually available yet to really do uh but in beta 4 they did add the api to the sdk so developers can start working on live activities uh not really any surprises there it's, it's what we expected basically it's like a augmentation of the widget api for home screen widgets except they appear on the lock screen and like like home screen widgets there's no interactivity or anything the only cho- the only ability as a user is to dismiss them out and that's provided by a system button i believe but the 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 lock screen kind of like designs unlike the lock screen widgets which are like basically monochrome most of the time right the the live activity designs are basically as free form as a widget kit on the home screen so you know you get you can have nice colors and fonts and progress bars and stuff like that and you know animation the idea with those live activities is that instead of getting five notifications of here's a score in a football game, oh, the score's been updated, you can just have one card and the push notification still comes in from the server, but the client, i.e. the phone, updates that card with an animation to show the new score rather than sending a whole different panel to see as, as alongside. So there's some cool ideas there. And obviously Apple's going to support it with the TV app for sports and uh that kind of stuff but that won't roll out until a later version of ios 16 which is what we knew before yeah that's what they said the keynote and then there was a lot of coverage today about the features delayed i was actually (laughs) surprised that they even put the api out before the 16 release um i thought maybe it would come it'd be like 16.1 beta and then Mm -hmm. you'd have access to the api um and i also saw sort of on developer twitter people just playing around with what their apps could do and, and very different settings than like uber or starbucks which is you know that's the intended function you know like and and like you mentioned sports scores um but there seems to be some clever ways to just make make of that you know i don't know how how apple will um what what they'll allow and what they'll what they'll they'll, they won't like but uh in some cases it's like you know even something like a step tracker with with a sort of a, a character aspect to it one is one thing i saw um, yeah, the, the main technical limit is that for each like update notification, the payload, i.e. the amount of data that gets sent to the phone, is yeah. literally capped out of four kilobytes, which is yeah. not very much. So yeah. you're thinking about like a string of text or you know right. a couple of numbers, like you're not being able to like send images to the to the live activity, for instance. So that's the main like way they're going to cap it in terms of what people can do with it. Yeah, um, and then we mentioned those wallpapers. So there's there's some new wallpaper options in the home map, which is redesigned, of course. Uh they 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 have new wallpapers for the home app already, and they added I think a few more. Uh, and I think they're they're very it's like the best collection I've ever seen in the home app, so that's cool. And then in CarPlay, they've added three new wallpapers with two modes each, light mode and dark mode, and they're based on 
the default iOS 16 wallpaper, where it's like the color swirl um, that has the time like a little bit hidden behind it for the depth effect. Of course, there's no depth effect to be had on CarPlay, uh, but you get you get that default color scheme, light and dark mode. And then they also have uh, two additional ones. One's blue, and I think the other one's grayish. So um, it's cool. I'm using the 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 light blue, and looks like um, like Mac OS one wallpapers yes yeah very aqua yeah <laughs> yeah and then, then then the dark one uh i just like the way it looks so and that's i'm using the dark blue one all the time yeah and although there isn't any new wallpaper options like dynamic wallpapers for, on the actual iphone lock screen they have continued to tweak the kind of wallpaper settings we talked about this in a previous episode when you go into the settings app then you pick wallpapers in in that area that that like they're obviously having to do a lot of work to kind of gel that with the ability to have multiple lock screens with different widgets and and wallpapers and stuff so they continuing to refine that ui there and this beta mm. 4 update there's still more they can do but it's definitely a lot cleaner if you're just trying to like set pictures and stuff like it looks a lot prettier it's a, a lot easier for people under, for people to understand although i kind of wish they would like fully unify with the lock screen because like still you can't change from you can't switch between your like five or six lock screens from the settings app. It only lets you change the current one, and you can't add like all the same settings that you can do from the lock screen version. So, like in the wallpaper settings, there's like a big gray box that says "Change your wallpaper from the lock screen" because they they're still trying to like work around the fact that the, the the feature availability in those two places is quite different. And in a perfect world, they could have them both be able to do everything. But I don't know if they'll get there for sixty point zero. Yeah, a few things I've got on just having used this for several weeks now uh, for the, the lock screen changes. Uh, one is that it's it's smart from Apple's perspective and, and discoverability that if you want to change the, the background on your lock screen or uh, home screen, you're all, well, especially lock screen, you're always exposed also to the depth effects settings, the widget panel. Like you, you can't just change your wallpaper without being shown those and so that's a you know it's a pretty normal thing to do is change your wallpaper make it personal and so you're always well for 16.0 at least you're going to see those other features and discover them as well that's pretty good but two two things i don't like uh you can't just change your wallpaper without it becoming a new lock screen so you you know it, you, then you have a bunch of them and you got to manage those so it, it, before it was way simpler to just change your wallpaper it wasn't like a whole new mode that you have to create and then you also can't say i want this style clock and these widgets and i just want to change the wallpaper each time you change your wallpaper you've also got to set up your 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 you know font and which widgets you have right so you can't like copy it right yeah yeah that's a good point so like if yeah. you have all your widgets set up and your font styles and stuff if you want to basically have that exact thing duplicated just with a different image on the background, you have to do it all from scratch. You haven't thought about that. Yeah, that's that is a weakness. Yeah, and that feels like something that is either a point update, like not in the beta yet, but either a point update or like iOS seventeen. Maybe they give a they do a year of like forcing you to to see the customization options if you want to change the wallpaper at all, and then they, then they consider this you know it's a little bit a lot of work, and you've got to have all these wallpapers if you want to change between them so what i've done is i feel like kind of hacking around the feature but i've got i I went through the like every wallpaper that apple's ever had and just downloaded my favorite one since they're no longer available and a lot of them are lost anyway because they were only on certain versions of ios or certain phones and so i've got say one two three four five six seven 
8, 9, 10, 11, and then a personal one. So I've got 12 lock screens set up, and the only function that they serve is these are just like is the essential or it's the equivalent to before when you could just go and pick your wallpaper. So it's sort of the workaround. It's like if you ever want to pick between a certain set, you've got to have 12 lock screens. And they all have the same font and complications, but it all required setting them up, you know, manually. So um, that that's the the shortcoming of what they're doing so far. And I don't think it would change anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think it would change anytime soon, but maybe in a point update, they'll add like a duplicate option for a wallpaper. So you can just copy it and then you can customize it from there or something. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening. Uh, but overall, I'm very happy with the wallpaper stuff. Like, I mean... Apple gave me a way to have dynamic weather. It doesn't matter what the feature is. Widgets, lock screens, complications, wallpapers. Give me a way to have dynamic weather and I'm happy, you know? So I have dynamic weather on my lock screen now and it's so cool that when it's raining, you see rain on the lock screen. When it's sunny, you see sun. So Mm -hmm. I've been happy with that since the beginning. And I think like the one that's going to be most popular for normal people would just be like the photo shuffle option. So rather than having one image as your background, you can set like an album or you can set In that case, you don't have to change and make a new lock screen. Yeah, you just you can, and they even let you change it like on tap or on wake. So there's some customization there. That'll be what I would imagine is the most popular for like normal people, is because people just love having photos of their own family and stuff. And now they can have more than one, and it cycles through them. I'm gonna have a bunch of photos of me cycle through. (laughs) We are sponsored this week by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app that helps you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically, and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. And if you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record the sounds of the night, like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more statistics. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in the stage of lightest sleep. And importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device, and when it syncs to iCloud, it's using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is a free-to-try download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every single day. And you can try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day free trial. Just visit Pillow.app to get started. That's Pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. Because this is a Mac podcast, I also have to mention that in FaceTime on Beta 4 of macOS Ventura, they've added a, a, a prominent desk view button so on any Facebook oh, call okay. that, you, that, that you have they, they've always had you know a few controls like take a photo of the other person uh and and now desk view is as prominent as that uh and when you click it it opens up that desk view app you know and then it it does a much better job of walking you through the process of desk view is actually a separate app and you need to turn on screen sharing to use it so um that, that that's a nice thing uh, and one more thing on FaceTime, and uh, I've been using SharePlay with with some friends and playing Heads Up over SharePlay. Oh, and you that, can do Heads Up over SharePlay? That's really fun. Yeah, you can. <laughs> it works really well. So how did, um, so when, because Heads Up, like normally someone like holds their phone to their head and everyone around them like guesses. So I guess it just doesn't have the holding it up to your head. It just shows over FaceTime the current 
thing to describe. Is that right? So so everyone needs the app, and someone is the guesser, or like a lot. One person's the guesser, the other people give the clues, and everyone has the app on their phone. And none of it involves video, even though you think of like FaceTime as a as your you know share play as a FaceTime video thing, and then it's coming to messages soon. But with sixteen, but um, I, you know, as of the release version. It's all you just have the you have you have heads up open on your iPhone or iPad, and you, based on if you're the guesser or um, the clue giver, is is what you what you see on your phone, and sure, then yeah. you, it it's you, the the guesser has to give the correct response, just like like you know the 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 physical reaction head you know that you move your phone around, you have to just tap the button for this is it or skip so. Um, it's, okay. it's really really cool use there, and then one last uh, uh, while we're on topic of of, of uh, share play, um, I had a, a sweet interact a sweet moment a sweet experience with share play with my son. Um, he's four, and he was at his mom's house a few nights ago, and he called me because he missed me, and he couldn't fall asleep. And so I used the music app and when he's here, we use rain sounds or ocean sounds when we're going to sleep. And so I could play that through his iPad for him, which is very cool. And um, on another instance, we were like, his iPad is limited to where it can only do certain things uh, past certain hours. Like most things are turned off. And um, so I knew, I knew he couldn't do a lot of things with it, but I, I just wanted to talk to him and get him to sleep and not think about that. He couldn't sleep. So I opened Amazon and when I did uh, screen sharing and we went shopping for a, a new school backpack together and it worked really well. So um, I'm, those are like real life uses of share play for me, not just, um, you know, testing it around. Yeah, they're, like, yeah I've done screen sharing for tech support and uh, my mom had COVID recently. So she was staying out the way. We did a YouTube quiz, like pub quiz uh, over FaceTime. I screen shared the YouTube thing. She could see it and hear it. And we were both like shouting out the asses and stuff. And it worked yeah. great. So yeah, big, big thumbs up for yeah for the share play stuff. One, one thing I want to want to see with screen sharing is the ability to request to the other person that they share their screen. Uh, and, and, you know, they would they wouldn't just happen automatically, presumably. But you would just say, you know, yes or no, because talking to somebody who wants tech support or needs some help talking them through a problem it's a new problem to then tell them how to do screen sharing and yeah so that's like a, that's tech support in <laughs> itself is finding the right button to start yeah. it yeah. yeah yeah but moving on to our next topic in our notes is uh netflix and uh their their gigantic force to use if they want to not use the app store for everything payment related um new user interface uh for for going to their website and a lot of a lot of people have had hands on with this you you've seen it i thought yours was hilarious because it was on your phone and the text is just so ginormous it it's like you know when i see you know my family's phone they often have the text cranked up so much that it's super bold and like one one line you know a few words per line that's what this looks like on every you know text size so. yeah because and and to be clear this this panel that pops up is prescribed by apple so this is apple's design right yeah so it's not like netflix is just like done a poor design this is what apple's requiring everybody to do and it, it, yeah you need like the it's like biggest headline font for like a three sentences of a title it's like you're about to leave the app and go to an external website you will no longer be transacting with apple so on my phone which is 11 pro just that text alone in, in this like bold headline font takes up like half the screen it's really funny <laughs> it's like so many lines 
uh, and then they have like a whole paragraph of smaller text as well which we've the 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 wording in which we have spoken about in the show before but this is uh, this is the first time i've seen somebody actually use this api now uh I I can't say for certain that this is the, actually the first use. I'm sure somebody else has done it, but this is the first time I've seen it. And obviously Netflix is a very uh, prominent application. Um, and so it's just different seeing it in those like mock-ups when Apple was negotiating back and forth with the Netherlands and everybody else and reality. But remember, this is different to the Netherlands case because the Netherlands case is about dating apps. And what Netflix is using here is a, the po- is the adjusted policy on reader apps that Apple agreed with Japan last year, if you recall that. Mm. So... Uh, if you remember in Japan, in about August, September time, Apple agreed uh, with the Japanese authorities that reader applications, which in, in, you know is Apple's definition for like content consumption things like music or books apps or video streaming, um, they will be able to offer a single link. Remember that wording? They'll be offer yes. a single link to an external payment system in their application if they don't want to use in-app purchase. And that was... In- rolled out as real policy in march i believe and now we're seeing it happen uh being available inside of netflix so if just to compare experiences before netflix so before this netflix uh up to 2018 did offer in-app purchase so you could subscribe in app they dropped that because they didn't want to give apple 30 percent and everything else that comes along with it so since 2018 when you open the netflix app all you get was a login screen where you type in your account uh, username and password and press login and there was no way to sign up at all. No, they weren't even, the Netflix isn't even allowed to tell people, here's where you go to sign up. So it was such a weird dead end experience for new customers. Bad user experience, 100%. Same people have been complaining about the same situation with like the Kindle app for years, right? Because you can't buy books here, you can only log into your Kindle account. But now with Apple's slight relaxation of the rules around reader apps, what Netflix can do now is when you sign up as a new user, it says, go to netflix.com in an actual button on the screen and when you tap that button it first comes up with this panel which you know apple tries to scare you away from carrying on but you click continue and then it just opens netflix account sign up in safari and then you can make an account and once you make an account on the web you can just go back into netflix uh, native app log in and there you go so it's just smooth it's just streamlining that initial sign up experience from here's a complete dead end and the netflix app isn't even allowed to tell you where to go to okay now you get this scary warning message that people press continue on anyway and then you go to the website and you're hunky dory yeah and netflix is an offer and app purchases in and for the subscription in their in their app but they but they did for their games yeah do they still do that do you think they still do that and that's because games fall under different app store rules okay <laughs> so if you're a game you have to use app purchase for game purchases oh, so okay. netflix obviously they're a leader in streaming video they don't have to worry about they can just not using it purchase at all but they're they're gaming services up and coming right so they've decided there we're just going to comply with apple if so if you download netflix if you download a netflix game and try to log in and you don't have an account you can sign up using an app in app purchase and what you're actually signing up to is a netflix account because it's not like they have netflix games and netflix different so you literally Mm -hmm. can if you want to for whatever reason if you want to use in-app purchase to to subscribe to netflix download one of their games sign up that way and then you can use that account to log into the normal netflix app yeah say you've got you know access to discounted itunes gift cards or you know you get free credit from you know purchases or whatever if rewards then you can yeah so just just reiterating on the different rules right that's why epic games is so mad because all these exclusions (laughs) apple keeps giving like spotify and netflix and stuff epic games is 
out of luck there they still there is no exclusion in the app store at the moment that allows epic games to avoid any of this stuff just, they just still have to provide 30 percent commission to apple on in-app purchase is and 15 percent on subscriptions yeah make epic epic tv epic movies and you're good to go yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't cover this um we had other stuff talking about but like at the end of june apple launched the um the equivalent of the netherlands dating apps thing they launched that in south korea so if you want to do any external payment systems in south korea now uh you can use the external purchase api and give 26 percent of your income to apple but use your own payment system in the netherlands it was 27 percent, so you get a one percent discount probably because like payment processing fees are slightly higher in korea so that's how their apple's kind of like adjusting it but you can use an external payment system but the main reason to do so is to not give Apple such a big cut, but you're you're only getting four percent off, and all of the pain of the admin and the administration and the account management and actually managing the transactions. So I don't know if people are going to do it, but to comply with the law, that's now there and it's there in the Netherlands for dating apps. Yep. Next up is some Apple Watch information uh, in Mark Harmon's newsletter over the weekend uh, from Bloomberg called Power On. Uh, he re- he he had previously reported that the um, what we're now calling the Apple Watch Pro the 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 ruggedized version, the more expensive version, uh, it would it would it would be built in metal that was not aluminum, and um, you know they've done. I feel like every little... week Mark comes out a report with the exact same information he told us the previous week, but with one tiny what? tidbit addition. Good strategy. He's got the full picture. <laughs> yeah, just, to be fair, he's, he's using it for all it's worth. Uh, yeah, I mean they made watches in steel and titanium uh, as metals, and so the question was, what are they going to use here? And gold. And, and 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 actual gold. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> this is going to be real gold, right? That's really uh, not yeah. brittle and supple yeah. or anything. Yeah. So so there so there was some some reporting that there was a gap and that you know it could have been a, a new metal, new new version of metal, uh, something new there, a new material type, but it's titanium, so liquid metal. Um, yeah, which, which being titanium, which is the you know the Apple Watch edition version, you know they've done that for a couple of years now. Um, it just seems like this is the this they're just changing they're changing the the strategy for the high end that you know that they're they're not just making premium materials but they're also giving it like unique attention and, and the design and look and it's it, I you know I've said it a couple of times now but it just feels like the iPhone 10 release in the same year as the iPhone 8 release the same day uh, <laughs> where you've got like the evolution and then you've got like the the big leap forward um, for for a bit more you know money so. Yeah, Mark's latest report really kind of doubled down on that analogy because uh, firstly on the material, uh, Mark says the watch will have a more durable formulation of titanium compared to the current titanium watches that will make cool. it extra rugged. So if you want a bit more protection, apparently it's going to be a super strong titanium, not just common garden titanium available on the current Apple Watches. And he said that this high-end model uh, will be you know, screen about 7% larger than before and the device will have a fresh look the first time the company's introduced a new Apple Watch design since 2018, it will be an evolution of the current rectangular shape, not circular, and it won't have rumoured flat sides like of those mock-ups we saw last year. Um, so if that's even more down the iPhone 10 analogy route because, you know, a whole new design uh, for the more expensive model that eventually yeah. will trickle its way down to every single Apple Watch. So Yeah, yeah. so it's going to pull me in, I bet. Uh, and then... That's it for the Apple Watch Pro until next next Sunday. Until next uh, week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was I watched a lot of movies. I was in a movie theater the other day, and uh, well, I use theater mode in a movie theater, which is everyone should do that. You swipe up from the bottom on your on your watch face, and you tap the little 
theatric faces button and you you still get the taps when you get alerts you know you don't get any sound and your watch doesn't turn the screen on or if it's always on it turns the screen off um but i think by default theater mode uh turns off the blood oxygen sensor which we which we discussed as super important super essential um it turns it off and i think it and you can optionally turn like toggle it to where it does come on, but by default, blood oxygen sensor turns off during theater mode, and then the heart rate one stays on. And of course, the reason that those two things matter in theater mode is, you know, the scenario is you're in a dark location and any kind of light will be distracting to people around you. And the blood oxygen sensor uses a red light, and if there's any gap on your wrist or you know skin around it, you see you see the red the red light reflected on your on your you know you can see it. Uh, I guess the same is true for the green light, but but maybe that's not as distracting as the red one. That's the that's just how the defaults are. But I didn't realize that um, you could even toggle those things until th- this past week when I was kind of digging around in the settings and 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 changing you know what what it does. But I just found that interesting as the default that that heart rate stays on, blood oxygen turns off, uh, and, and you know maybe it isn't a choice of color like which color is more distracting, but it's that they view heart like constant heart monitoring is more essential than, than blood oxygen monitoring. And so, you know, two hour gap and blood oxygen is not as bad as a two hour gap. And, you know, your heart can, you know, condition, you know, you have a heart attack in the movie you know, kind of thing. So I thought that, thought that was interesting. Yeah. It's Didn't an know interesting it. little detail. Yep. And then you've got some follow up from our, one of our listeners, fly Astro Apple, good title, good, good username uh, about, where the Apple Watch Pro is sort of targeting like existing watches today, and what's that? Yeah, because when that thousand dollar price was floated around for this Apple Watch Pro, I was pretty critical of it. I thought I wouldn't really find a, a customer base, and maybe it still won't. But what uh, Flying Astro Apple tweeted us about, which is something I hadn't considered and didn't really know about, is that there is a very much a circa thousand dollar market in this like garmin arena so obviously garmin have the cheaper watches which is mostly what i was thinking about you know in terms of like the 200 dollars, 300 dollars ones but also in this kind of like 900 to a thousand dollar range there are products such as the garmin phoenix 7 the epix 2 and the cords apix pro that are right around that thousand dollar price point and they are like premium sports watches coincidentally or otherwise made of titanium right and they're around 47 millimeters in size which is about what we expect uh this new Apple Watch Pro to be so yeah. and like they start at 47 millimeters and go even bigger so if you're looking for direct competition to this model that Apple's making you know surprise to me but oh look there is actually a market here that Apple could target and you know these these sports watches they obviously don't have the smarts of like a true smartwatch, but they also have you know way more battery life for things like marathons and multi-day hikes and that kind of thing and it definitely seems like the Apple Watch Pro is going to push more into that direction like I, I would be shocked if the Apple Watch, one of the Apple Watch Pro's features isn't like multi-day battery life for workouts or something because they're going to make it bigger and Mark Gurman seems to believe they're still working on that low power mode thing. So some combination of like bigger battery, bigger bigger device and this you know software experience stuff will allow them to say like, we are competing with the Garmin's of the world. We, we, you know, you can do a full workout on this Apple Watch. You can do a full marathon on this Apple Watch Pro and not be like consciously checking your battery that it's about to die. So yeah, that was interesting. Titanium, that's that's in between the weight of aluminum and steel, right? Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. that makes sense why they're using that for for these these type of devices. So that's but yeah, every detail about those devices lines up with what the Apple Watch Pro's rumored to be. So that's, that's right. Definitely feels like Apple's. You know, that's where Apple's targeting. And we'll know more on Sunday. 
Fly, Fly Astro Apple. Do you know that was the first name of Space Explored? The site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But thank you for that uh, feedback. That was very interesting. Couldn't get the dot com. That was the issue. Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. It's summer and the weather is great. The sun's out. And even better, small businesses are back in business. After two years of pandemic conditions, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to grow your team and help you find the people that you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a free job post in just minutes using LinkedIn Jobs and your post will reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. And when you add your job post, you can add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal that you are hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people. LinkedIn Jobs also has simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for. So you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. One more time, linkedin.com slash happy hour. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show. Uh some interesting things happened this week around Facebook and um, and and you know now parent company Meta, which is the broader uh, VR space company, with Facebook being the social network. Uh, but this was this was really interesting because you know several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, we talked about my really brief experience with an Oculus Quest Two uh, VR headset and. How the you know one of the interesting things to me that made me try it out was it's only three hundred dollars, which is you know it's three hundred dollars, but it's not a thousand dollars and it's not three thousand dollars. It's kind of in that that space of oh new tech to try out. Let me let me do that um, and see how I like it. And the news this week is that they're going to raise the price this fall uh, from two ninety nine to three ninety nine for the exact same hardware. So. No changes at all. <laughs> no changes at all. They, they're not like they're not like getting rid of the the lowest storage tier and only selling the higher one at that higher price. They're just raising the price a hundred dollars um, for for both storage tiers. So instead of three hundred and four hundred, it's now uh, four hundred and five hundred, which gets into like I mean that's console pricing right there. So uh, game inflation inflicts us all, including if you're in the metaverse. Yeah, and and also just that. There's, I mean, you know, Facebook's or Meta is a is a public company, and there's pressure, of course, for them, um, you know, to do well. <laughs> and and there's been and so- they're like Meta division, i.e., the stuff working on the stuff is like losing money hand over fist. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's been like you know one of the common um, lines is that they're spending way more than on R and D than Apple spent on the iPhone ever. Like for R and D. Oh, oh, so. it's, not, it's like order of magnitudes more. Like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like ninety billion a year or something insane. Yeah. It's like in, insane expense uh for mm-hmm. this division. Like Yeah. You know, so uh, to yeah. give you to give you some context, <laughs> Apple's yearly R and D is like sixteen and a half billion. Yearly. And so far Facebook has spent like almost a hundred billion on meta related <laughs> projects yeah cool and, and <laughs> I, I i don't 
I, I you know, I don't, I don't know if he knows about me. I don't love metaverse. I, I never would have guessed. <laughs> I actually like analog life. I like real life. I like walking in nature. I like talking to people, you know, in person. Uh, and I, <laughs> I love technology in that it, it allows you to do those things remotely um, and, and get, get, get closer to those real experiences. And metaverse stuff, just it, it's like taking the other direction. You've got technology and you, you want to get even further from what reality is, uh, which, you know, maybe it's cool. I don't know. But uh, not, not I don't love the idea of that. And um, but but that doesn't you know, that was that's was an interesting thing. They raised the price of hundred dollars on both of them. And it's not, you know, it's on the same hardware, which, which of course, made made people go out and buy the, the current Quest 2s. But like they're, they and they even have a store, right? Like, they, they obviously sell through. You know, Best Buy and other retailers, and they've got their website, but they even did like a, a Quest, you know, or, or Oculus store near Facebook's campus. Uh, um, they want this thing to be real. Just well, and if you look at it from, you know, Facebook, the company's perspective, yeah. their main business is advertising, and mm-hmm. for various factors, including you know ad tracking transparency, their Apple, ability yeah. to get revenue per impression, like average revenue per thousand, is going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are not growing as fast as they did. They've just recently released earnings this week, and it's like the first time they've had an annual fall in revenue since the company began. So like their growth has like gone to zero, um, and so they obviously are looking for ways to change it around. You know, in the I think I think originally Zuckerberg was hoping that the ads division would continue to propel the company for the next ten years whilst they got the metaverse sure. stuff up and running, right? But that hasn't quite happened and now they're facing financial issues well, not financial issues but like investor disgruntlement let's put it that mm-hmm. way because sure. they like zuckerberg openly admits that the meta investments are long-term bets um he thinks they're going to convert eventually into like trillions of dollars of value but it could be 10 years away right or even longer like he's, there are a lot could, of companies out be, there that are never. trying to pretend like the metaverse and ar is like here and real today in an actually meaningful way and that's just a complete lie like it's just nowhere close to being consumer ready right uh for a million factors many of which we spoke on the show before but at least facebook is like honest about that like uh zuckerberg standing up there is like yeah look we're spending tens and tens of billions on this stuff and we're going to keep doing it because we think eventually it's going to pay off for us but you know not not anytime soon uh and increasing the price of your headset certainly is going to help sales in the near term either so they're uh um you know they're facing a bit of a, a catch-22 at the moment where they're trying to pivot the company but they're like old incumbent business isn't quite doing as well as it once did so there's a lot of skepticism uh, and that's caused the facebook stock price to drop a lot that causes employees to get annoyed because a lot of tech employees get paid in stock grants right so their sure, value yeah. of their effective salaries go down a lot and if this metaverse stuff isn't going to become real for you know even if you believe that it's going to happen in five or ten years time that's a long time for people to be getting like you know suppressed compensation and stuff so sure. there's a whole load of churn going on and facebook's obviously like one of the biggest companies so there's a lot of focus on them it's not but it's not just an issue affecting them it's you know a huge uh, effect in the industry in many ways um but facebook is like the flag bearer right and they're the ones spending tens of billions on this stuff and they're gonna have to spend tens of billions more before they get any actual results like apple for as big as facebook is you know, Apple's like an order of magnitude bigger than they are, so they can spend tens of billions on cars and headsets and all this stuff. And as long as the iPhone keeps selling, the investor community isn't going to be too mad about it, right? So they have a lot more freedom to go off on these like side project stuff. If you're even if you're a company that's as big as Facebook, 
to to invest into something like the the AR and VR ambitions that they want, that's a cut in a lot of your active revenue. Like you know, Facebook is a big company, but you look at yearly, you look at like quarterly income, and it's dwarfed by you know Apple. So that's where Apple has like the the economy of scale, just in fact that they're just have such a massive company that they have more freedom to do that kind of stuff. And of course, they are under scrutiny too from investors. And if they miss earnings, it's bad. But mm-hmm. you know, you're you're talking about like tens of billions per quarter difference in available capital to spend on stuff so yeah and in general they seem to be able to do research and development projects at lower expenditures than these other companies for whatever reason maybe maybe apple's gonna get left behind and they won't be ready for the future uh but uh, they've always been lower down on the kind of like cost to returns ratio i mean the original iphone only cost apple like 100 million or something (laughs) and think how much money they've made out of a hundred million dollar upfront investment over like two years and of course, when when one hundred million dollars to Apple in two thousand five was a lot more money than it is today, right? But still, one hundred million dollars to make the iPhone, and it's just a crazy, just a crazy return on investment uh, when you compare it to some of this other stuff. Yeah, of course, a- Apple's folly, you know, not not company destroying, but but you know, similar to to, to Facebook's is that you know may, maybe their uh, AR VR investment doesn't go well, but I think even more importantly for Apple um, for various reasons, but but primarily just how you know the amount of money and attention and you know people power that's gone into is the the car project you know whatever Mm -hmm. that ends up being um that that's sort of like i I think for apple the the vr headset stuff if it goes to to ar in the future you can look at that as you know just like their 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 experiment experiment with the apple tv um you know maybe the watch like those, those that kind of size but the car stuff seems like that's an awful lot of effort if you if you don't actually ever deliver something, um, and you know we don't know yet how that will go. And so the reality could be that they've they're in the sunk cost sunk cost uh, say that for me sunk cost <laughs> sunk fallacy. cost fallacy. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, uh, all together at once, uh, where they should have stopped years ago, but they they just keep putting more into it, and, and you know it's too much to stop now. But um, but you know I, we we did see this week they've hired uh, a, a Lamborghini, Lamborghini person. Yeah, so that's all good. I mean, on. if you wanted like yeah. what what near term, if you had to choose and you can only do one or the other, right? Would you invest in a headset project or a car project? And I'm not talking self driving; just talking like electric car, i.e., like a Tesla thing. I'd pick car. Like, I feel like that's got a way better near term market opportunity. I mean, Tesla already proves it. Like, they're doing yeah. really well. More, more, yeah. The the verdict is still out on on whether or not VR and AR will be long term appealing or even short-term appealing but travel you know, transportation is is, is proven you, so yeah I, you I don't agree. need to find a killer app the killer app is being able to drive and like yeah. you know apple's off on on these clouds trying to do this full self-driving out of steering wheel stuff but yeah. i think it's very reasonable to say if they'd have just done a you know tesla-esque electric car they could have had a big you know multi-billion dollar business by now already and then work on the other stuff in the background but they obviously don't they obviously chose not to do that for whatever reason whereas the headset stuff they're probably going to come out with a headset product next year and it's not going to do very well because it's going to be super expensive and really niche and but maybe that maybe they already accept that i think they know that right you can't yeah. come out with a two thousand three thousand dollar headset and expect it to sell like gambusters so they know it's a multi-year ambition and they're just as a company their resource is so huge they can do car and headset at the same time and not really feel it even if it all went to pot <laughs> yeah i i would i would argue that you actually don't want a killer app for the for the car safety is the <laughs> 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 uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, bad, bad words, but you know what I mean. Also in, in this vein of sort of, you know, p- part of the headset, you know, especially for Facebook, you know, they, they missed the smartphone era um, is, is that this could be the, the po- like a post smartphone successful product um, that, that makes, you know, iPhone and Android phones just less, less important, you know, less important in our lives. So there's this company, Humane, that is sort of a stealth startup with a lot of, you know, founded by a couple, a married couple uh, that, that worked at Apple for a long time and were involved in a lot of the past products. And, um, and we're seen on stage at the 2016 iMessage demo because the, the original time they revamped iMessage with, you know, stickers and bubble effects and stuff, that was demoed by um, Im- Imran Chowdhury and his wife. Uh, I can't remember her name, but those two. Uh, where they that's they did that demo and then about three months later they left the company. Yeah, yeah. It's not hard to find the names. You just have to go to Humane's website because if they're the this is one of my criticisms that the the company so far like the 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 founders are the identity of the company. So that's that's something. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to leave this without getting the name though. So I'm gonna let's see our story on our website. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bethany uh, Boggy Orno. How about that? that's it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway. and, and they were great employees. Like you know, Imran Chowdhury was right in the in the inner sanctum of Apple during the iPhone era, and even and even yeah. earlier. And um, I've forgotten her name again. What was her name? You just said it, <laughs> Bethany. Bethany. Yeah, she was like a you know head product manager. She worked on the iPhone. She worked on the iPad release. If you remember that anecdote about them getting like fifty different leather chairs for for Steve Jobs to try for that demo, you know, January twenty ten when he sat down on the chair to show people the iPad. That came from that came from her. Like they're both like really respected Apple employees, and they did great work there. And I'm sure they got paid well and stuff. But obviously they've quit to do this startup. Doesn't plenty of Apple employees leave the company and then never do anything of value? So like just the fact that this is a company made up of like Apple people doesn't mean it's going to be massively impactful. I'm not saying it's, we, we don't know what it is, right? It could be amazing, but it could also be like vaporware rubbish. So I'm not like getting too much in the hype train of humane at the moment like they've got to show us something first before we can like really evaluate it yeah just just the fact that they have a load of apple employees means nothing because like christopher stringer left apple two 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 years ago what did he make he made a really expensive home pod speaker like like a, like a home pod speaker that's like three times more expensive and sits in the, in the living room right like so we'll see they they keep hyping it up they have these like videos and stuff that that, that have like theories about the current state of technology is bad and true invasive and we're going to change it but they haven't actually shown anybody what the product is yet so that's, yeah, that's their, the real test their their big release was uh the and you know this month and it was the i think one minute long uh short film that basically there's a, a lot of oomph behind the release of this and a lot of people loved it and um you know think they're they're kind of going for the the apple uh 1984 ad for for you know ibm bad apple doing something different good uh except that it's targeting clearly in the ad smartphone usage you know i think one of their big one of their big conversation points is is technology addiction and that their secret product is going to to change that um and and they even include like vr headsets you know or wearable headsets in in this in this promo in this film so uh which you know, it's like two, in this case, it's kind of thinking about it as like two different post-smartphone technologies competing. Where whether it's it's you go from the iPhone to a headset, which is you know much more involved to 
which which I'm highly skeptical about being you know a hit long term and more than just a hobby, um, or whatever it is that they're making, which seems to be some sort of a wearable that projects user interface onto your hand uh, without you holding something, and also as a camera and video, and um, I you know. I, I would I would just say like before they actually show off what their product is and and how it works, I'm really skeptical because you know there's so many things we we the technology addiction that you know with iPhone it's like it 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 is frustrating. You have to you know be disciplined and find the balance there. You don't you don't want to be glued to it all the time. Um, but then you on the other end of the spectrum, it's like what does it do for you? What value does it actually bring to you? And for a lot of people, even with post smartphone technology like the Apple Watch uh, that that sort of initially you know collectively we believed would you know make us use our iPhones less um, you, you still end up looking at the iPhone and saying oh these are the things that you'll never be able to do with the watch you know you're never going to have as good of a camera system um, you know you're never going to have as good as a you know way way to video call people or the you know the larger screen especially and and all that so you still look at the iPhone as like essential and, and the watch is is you know a, a version of that um but not as essential i think the same is true for for whatever this product is going to be you know even if it does sort of take the take the where the watch stops and says well it isn't your camera you know you're not you can't practically always record or you know record video and take photos from your watch um and and because of its size if this accessory that they're going to make or whatever the product is can i i don't think that will be competitive with with i you know a smartphone whether it's uh iphone or or pixel or whatever uh camera quality so it is back to that same thing where you know you don't want to take people value photos a lot people thought of photos and videos a lot so yeah i'm really suspicious not well not suspicious but i'm just skeptical, skeptical. Yeah. of of you know I, I definitely don't think it will look to the hype and i think that that's kind of a challenge and and marketing and becoming a new company is um, finding the, the the right amount of hype versus like lack of interest um, with humane they, they they've gone in this stealth mode for a, you know pretty long time now you know a few years and they've raised hundreds of billions of dollars from investors um, kind of getting to the point where uh, for, for me I, I didn't expect that the film that they were promoting was going to include anything revealing um, but I, I you know <laughs> and my joke about it at the time was like oh glad it finally clears up what they're doing you know but because uh, it doesn't, uh, but but you, you, pretty soon you kind of want to know what they're doing, or it's gonna you're gonna lose attention. You know, it's not gonna gonna be. Then you will go into skeptical, you know, mode, not not you know even more. So, I, you know, I, I, I think it's an interesting topic because a lot of people that enjoy the Apple space are also looking at humane and what they're gonna make. Um, and I think there's a lot of trust in these people, uh, and especially the the sort of bigger collection of former apple employees and employees from um other technology makers so um just just you know i i don't want to say like i hope that what they have is good because i think that i'm you know as, as clear as we, we we know based on patents and everything what they're what they're working on um and then from the teaser video i don't think that i it, it i don't think it's a mass hit like i think it's an, a neat alternative uh but we'll see you know the, i really kind of got burned on when you know the fellow before kirk federighi was bertrand surlay at apple and um you know he's highly respected at apple and then post apple career he uh in, invested i think and advised the startup a stealth startup up there mm -hmm. and it was always I mean, it was like in teaser mode for years and when they finally revealed 
you know, what they're doing. It's that they're a competitor to Dropbox and iCloud and they ended up getting bought by Western Digital and they no longer exist, you know, as, as anything that was from up there. Um, so that, that, that kind of was like a lesson for me in X Apple doesn't always mean, you know, big new thing. Um, <laughs> in part, like John, John Rubenstein left Apple in the height of the iPhone era to go and do Palm stuff. Right. And we know yeah. how that went. Not great. Yeah. Part of <laughs> and Ron part Johnson. Of, yeah. He was great. Apple retail. Yeah. He hasn't had any success since, since leaving Apple. Like, yeah, he didn't have success at JCPenney and he didn't have success with his, his delivery, uh, and setup service. So. You're, you're right like, about that. Like, you can have great talent, but you also need resource, be in the right place at the right time. Like, there's so many factors, and like the future, the thing that's going to replace the iPhone has to be so good in so many yeah. ways to have any chance of doing it. Um, and that's why you know, as we just spoke about, Facebook's investing billions in this AR stuff because yeah. it's not a, it's like it's not an easy challenge, right? It's really really hard, mm-hmm. and it's it's hard to see how like. As much as I love it to be the case, it's hard to see how like small startups with even you know a few hundred million dollars investment are really going to be able to like push the needle. Like what you are, what the best outcome I think you're going to get is they'll come out with a product that's maybe interesting, compelling, and then they'll get acquired by someone who'll actually like get it done for market, you know, for market penetration. Because right, I'm, and that's not what they're presenting now. Like they definitely no. want to be their own thing forever and compete with Apple and Google and everybody that makes technology and. Um, you know, I think my, my biggest point here from just thinking about it is, you know, you, you can forgive Ron Johnson for striking out with JCPenney and, and his, his own startup. But, you know, really none of that was competing with Apple technology and not really Apple stores. But when you leave Apple and then you directly compete with Apple, it's, you know, you're the underdog there. Uh, and even if you were a great contribution at Apple, you know, it, it, I think that probably feeds your ego a bit. And I think that if you look at Humane so far, you know, it, it's there's a lot of, of of faith in the fact that like we worked on we were involved in teams that made the iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, etc. Um, but as we know, like that's that's even if you have small teams, you're a team member there. So it it isn't uh, that that's where I get suspicious is like the the overselling of of what your roles were at, at Apple to to give you credibility for what you're doing now. Uh, and we'll see if they deliver or not. But that's probably how you get you know you probably raise hundreds of millions of dollars based on that experience. Um, but, but it's, can you do it on your own versus being at the team at the machine of Apple? Yep. And just look at all the big companies that try and compete with Apple stuff and they always fail anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. to be, to be able to compete with Apple's that they're not perfect. Obviously we talk about their problems all the time, but they are, they do have a great track record of hits and it's really hard for anybody, even if you previously worked at the company to like take them down. <laughs> and although they haven't explicitly said that, that's kind of the vibe you get from the current, like humane, like PR cycles, like phones are stupid they're taking over our lives we got something better but we won't tell you what it is we'll just pretend like we do have something better and mm-hmm. i guess we'll hope that you stay along for the ride yeah so if anybody has any thoughts on this i'd, I'd love to discuss this kind of stuff because like i'd love it to be great like yeah but i'm not i'm not sitting here today i wouldn't bet on it you know yeah i, I think uh one reason that got me thinking more about this was when i my response to their video you know was you know not you know well it doesn't really tell us anything and also uh i'm not convinced that that you know this this, this as the post smartphone solution is going to be it um uh, seems i get i get the messaging and the appeal but i'm not sure that the execution is there uh and, and our mutual friend sigmund judge i think had a pretty i think he was surprised in in that for me and so that that made me think well you know 
I think there is kind of a connection between if you like the Apple stuff that you, you probably believe in this too, almost as an extension of something that, that Apple's doing. But I think it very much is targeted toward Apple and, and that's a, it's a hard one to, to win. So hmm, we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, that is the Happy Hour Podcast for this week. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. Uh, you can listen in Apple Podcast for the ad-free version for $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year. We appreciate everyone who does that. We appreciate everyone who subscribes in general. Uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at B-Z-A-M-A-O. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.